Welcome to another action-packed episode of ARG Presents. I'm your good comrade, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man that's always two steps from the pokey, the Brent. Yovo, what's up? Yovo? <laughs> How are you doing this morning? I'm well. How about yourself? I'm okay. I'm not too bad. I'm ready. I'm actually fired up, Brent. I'm caffeinated. I'm ready to go. So, last week... Uh, in case you missed the show, we spun that wheel. We made the crazy deal. And this week, Brent, in a, in, a, in a stunning turn, we'll be playing games that were powered by, bam, the pokey chip. Don't think it won't poke you. The pokey chip, Brent. Yes. Atari's gift to the world. Did you know anything about pokey chip games before this week? I, I knew of the pokey chip, but I, I wasn't in a position where I could be like, oh, yeah, that game had it and that game had it. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where, I mean, when you when you dabble in the retro gaming long enough, you start learning all kinds of crazy stuff. And this was one of those things I've <sighs> learned in passing, but now have a much better understanding with. Exactly, exactly. Now, uh, the Pokey Chip was basically uh, Atari's sound and uh, with and to a certain degree control chip. Uh, we're going to get into it real quick now, Britt. This may come as a stunning shock to our listeners and viewers, but we are not what I would call. Uh, technically inclined in the ways of these sorts of things. So we're going to bumble through some information we don't understand. Where are we attempt. inclined at? Well, I don't know. Yeah, food, I'd say that would be <laughs> a, one, that'd be one area that we're I would consider us experts in. So getting over to it here, Brent, the Pokey chip was a, uh, a uh, chip that would provide you audio with four semi-independent audio channels, okay? You could have four 8-bit channels, two 16-bit channels, or one 60-bit channel and two 8-bit channels. Okay, not bad. Uh, this thing uh, would also give you uh, the ability to double up, or in some cases, add more, like four of these four things of to them. one game. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Pokey. Pot, keyboard, integrated circuit. Somehow they got Pokey out of that. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, there you go. And let's be happy they did, because otherwise... <laughs> yeah. The... Uh, uh, so Pokey Atari put this thing together, uh, Brent initially to it was designed for their family of eight bit home computers. So this was this was early on in the game because you gotta remember those their computers came what came out in the seventies. Uh, uh, so this was a this what they put together. It's a good little sound chip, uh, Brentster for the most part. If you consider the age of it, particularly, it's a it's a very impressive bit of kit. Uh, it also. Uh, occasionally would turn up, aside from being an arcade machine, which we'll get to, this would occasionally turn up in a cartridge. In fact, it came yes. in two cartridges. If you're one of those people, like myself, that had the Atari 7800, uh, Brent, uh, which, uh, not to get too deep into it, but you had your Atari VCS, the 2600, you had the Atari 5200, right, which was very much like a, an 8-bit, had the, and that did have the chip in it. Then you had uh, the Atari 7800. that was third in line. It had backwards compatibility with the original Atari 2600, which was good and bad because it had the same sound system as that, which and the sound in the Atari 2600 was not so good. No. <laughs> uh, so what they allowed it to do, Atari thought ahead, and they said, hey, we'll, we'll rig up a gimmick where you can put one of these pokey chips on the car game cartridge. Good idea. It was. Only two cartridges yeah. were commercially released with the old pokey chip. Uh, Britt, can you name the cartridges? I think I own at least one of these two. I know one is Ball Blazers. <clears throat> yes, the other one, Commando. Commando, Commando, yeah. Now, these cartridges have become uh, more in demand because the Pokey Chip is tough to get these days. Uh, much like the Sid Chip, you got to go uh, scavenge suckers to get this thing. Not good. Uh, now, if you I, need one. I, I, I was reading on a forum where. Uh, people had, you know, when a pokey chip goes bad, because they do go bad pretty often, uh, a, a gentleman had hoarded all these pokey chips, right? And like you said, this this was a few years ago, but like you said, they were, they're in short supply. They just don't make them anymore. Right. <clears throat> and this guy had taken and was trying to figure out how to fix them, trying to get some of his stuff up back up and running, and put them in the oven and baked them, right? Yeah, and I guess it. I guess it. Whatever it did, it worked. And now I'm not saying go go bake your your pokey chips, but he did find a fix, a modern day fix 
to restore at least some of the pokey <clears throat> chips he had. I thought why that was pretty interesting. The, <clears throat> as someone that worked in tech, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, why do you think that he did that? To reflow the solder. That, presumably, yes, yeah. that would be the case. And I've heard of this uh, when the NVIDIA or uh, problems occurred or like problems in the original Xbox. For yeah, example, Red Ring of Death. Yeah, they would people would take it, they load those things up with a heat gun or something, try to get that wrap them in a towel. Done. Yeah, wrap them in a yeah. towel and they would bake themselves. Yeah. Yep, horrible, horrible idea, really. Well, well I mean, it, if it's, it's almost a temporary <laughs> fix, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. So, get this, the Brent. Now, this I found interesting. Uh, uh, so you've got you've got your pokey chip here. Where did it come from, right? So, uh, a guy named Doug uh, Newbauer. Uh, who designed integrated circuits? Uh, is uh, he? He was the guy behind the pokey chip. Uh, he uh, was a very brilliant man, and so not only did he, of course, not only was he behind the pokey, he also was a game maker for Atari. Uh, he did. He he's the guy that came that put together the original Star Raiders, which was a game that was way ahead of its time, and and it's literally a pivotal game, particularly in the eight bits. A very awesome game. He also worked uh, on the game, and this is funny because this was a, sort of a spiritual successor to Star Raiders, a game called Solaris. And if you think about it, Star Raiders was pretty early in the in the Atari uh, run. Solaris was one of the last titles released for the VCS, and it's quantum. It's a quantum leap uh, from uh, from from Star Raiders to Solaris. Solaris is an amazing looking and playing game that no a lot of people wouldn't even suspect that the VCS could run. By the time Solaris came out, uh, they had gotten a good grasp on all the capabilities of the of the particular 2600 uh, board. He also worked under a, an assumed name, if you will. He worked for Fox Video Games, and his, his fake name was Dallas North. That's a good name, <laughs> Brent. Sounds right out of a porno. Uh, he worked on Mega Force, which I believe was based on the movie. Alien, which I know was based on the movie, and a show... Uh, and a game based on a TV show that I used to love called MASH. So he, he also did those games. He also was working on The Last Starfighter that was going to be based on the film that ultimately uh, in, that ended up, he ended up taking uh, that code and that ultimately ended up becoming Solaris. Uh, so he, he, he did a lot of good stuff. He also did uh, Super Football and Radar Lock. So he did a lot of, he did a lot of neat stuff. Now, before we move into the main event, I want to talk about some of the stuff that actually ran with the Pokey. The Pokey was at arcade machines to beat the band, Brent. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm just going to run down a few of these bad boys, and uh, you can give me a quick thought here or there. Uh, you've got, I, I noticed there's a ton of the vector games on this list, okay? You've got your Tempest, your Star Wars. Star Wars had four Pokey chips. Major Havoc had four Pokey chips, and Gravatar had two. Black Widow had two. Space Duel had two. All right, so those are all. Those are all vector games that, that, that were loaded down. Uh, Return of the Jet or uh, Empire Strikes Back had four of these bad boys, and Quantum had two. Red Baron had one. So you had a lot of games there for the vector uh, arena, and those those vector games were known for having really good sound, weren't they? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So you could do something. This thing that they, they really pumped a lot out of the, of the pokey. Uh, yes, then you I, want, another little about, fun fact with the whole pokey chip. You know, yeah. they had the single, the double, and the quads. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> internally uh i'm getting this from a a write-up uh from jed margolin who worked for atari at the time uh they didn't the engineers didn't want people knowing that they were basically just daisy chaining chips together they wanted them to think it was like its own little thing because when the pokey chips first came were first invented and and was hanging off a of arcade boards to do sound that actually opened up the whole sound industry for atari uh <clears throat> as it being a its own department before that they were actually having programmers do sound and most programmers <clears throat> didn't want to do sound in fact it was the one of the last things they worked on which meant all the memory and stuff was gone so they took the uh when the pokey chip came out they were like, uh, okay, that's great. We've got this chip. We can do certain things with it. But that's not what we want to do. We want to work on gameplay and ideas and graphics and stuff like that. And that actually started Atari Sound Division. 
but and, and the sound folks knew, like you had the single, the, the double, and the quad, and I'm sure other people did too. I mean, it wasn't like some super kept secret, but uh, people were requesting quad chips for their games, not knowing that it was just basically four pokies stuck together. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and there, there were quite a few games that used two or four poke chips. Aside from the aforementioned vector games, I mean, a lot of a lot of the big titles of the Atari back catalog uh, use these chips. You got your Centipede, you know, you've got your uh, uh, Marble Madness, Indiana Jones. That whole the, uh, Marble Madness, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, Roadrunner. Those all ran off the same system board, so those yep. all used uh, the Pokey Paper Boy. You know, Food Fight uh, used at Warlords all the way back there. So this got used a lot. Road Absolutely. Blasters, a game we owned, Brent, several times. Uh, and Gauntlet, Gauntlet 2. So you saw, you got to, even up to the, remember Firefox, the Laserdisc game? That had a Pokey chip in it. Now, I'm assuming the Pokey in that was used to register just the beeps and boops to get you right. through the uh, menus or whatnot. But uh, it's amazing to me that Firefox would actually have that. Kind of neat. So, yeah. yeah. The uh, the uh, Jed Margon, it actually worked on Firefox. <clears throat> and there's a whole write-up online of, of things, of a question and answer he did in 95. It's an incredibly interesting read, especially if you're into Atari and stuff like that. Uh, he goes over a bunch of stuff. He's mostly talking about Laserdisc and how Atari... Uh, got into the Laserdisc games very temporarily. It was a ho- horrible disaster for them for the most part. Uh, but I'll I'll add a link in the uh, description so people can take a look at this. It's a really interesting read. It's about, I don't know, uh, it, it's split up into chapters. It's 12 chapters long, but each chapter is only five or six paragraphs. Highly recommended. It. It's really fun. You know, the funny thing, it's funny, we, we actually got to play a lot of, uh, well, I mean... At, our local arcade had Firefox, the yep. laser game, and a couple of them had it. And uh, I, I didn't realize it was not, it was a kind of a rare game. It's not like it didn't make the rounds that much. Right. I thought it was a real tight game, to be honest with you. But I mean, I thought it was, it was okay. really hard. You know, <laughs> I mean, personally, I'm, I, you know, I'm more of a Mach 3 guy myself. So, uh, with all that said, uh, Brent, <laughs> we, had, we had a good selection of basically Atari classic games uh, that, uh, to choose from here today. So I, I, did you have any trouble picking a game? Uh, I actually researched this quite a bit because I wanted to find a game that had something unique to do with a pokey chip. So that's how I got to my game. How did you get to yours? Well, I'll tell you, and I'm going to start the dance. Um, I almost didn't pick this game. and But I had a, I, I don't know, I had a, a tinge of nostalgia on this, because I mean, I had played every game on this list, uh, and some of these games quite a bit. But there's a game I've always thought was sort of uh, lost in time to a certain degree. I mean, I think people still play it, but you don't hear about it much anymore. It's a game I ended up choosing, and that, my friend, is Missile Command. Missile Command uh, took the arcades by storm back when it came out, and it was one of those games that was at the, in the right place at the right time. Uh, again, uh, the, uh, published and developed by Atari and put out for all the you know consoles and whatnot. The arcade version was released in June of 1980, right there in the middle of it. Uh, to go over the platforms that, that this was released on would be, I mean, it, it has been cloned and 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 unofficially released on probably every system that could that could possibly carry it. But of course. Its most famous ports were probably the Atari 2600. Uh, the 8-bit uh, version is also quite outstanding. But it's been on everything, all the way up to, like, the Plex Arcade. If you know anything about Plex, they're a little, I don't know if that thing's still going on even. So what is uh, what is Missile Command? Well, at Missile Command, it's funny. The, trying to determine the backstory of Missile Command, is, is there's not much of one that's mentioned in the arcade. Uh, and but on, if you if you've ever had the uh, home version, the manual describes uh, that there's a battle between two planets, uh, the planet Zardon, uh, and that's your planet, and the planet Krytol. Okay, now this was a bogus, uh, bogus backstory uh, because this would none of this was ever dreamt of in the original version. The original version was put out there for one reason. This was the 1980s, 
and there was a very high likelihood that America was going to go to war with the Soviet Union in a huge nuclear throwdown. I can tell you from being around at that time, I w- in 1980, I was nine years old, and everyone that I knew, including me, just assumed that we were going to be in deep trouble with Russia and we're going to have a big uh, nuclear uh, battle with them. I mean, it was almost like a foregone conclusion. I know it seems silly today. Uh, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But, I mean, we were all convinced that we were, we were all going to get it. And so when Missile Command comes out, and it wasn't just the kids, by the way, because here comes Missile Command. Missile Command is exactly uh, what you would think it would be. Uh, uh, it was dreamt up to simulate what would happen if you were trying to defend your cities, your civilizations, from a nuclear strike. And effectively, that's what you're trying to do in this game. Now, if you haven't played Missile Command, uh, you control, you're basically controlling the uh, defensive fire uh, to protect six cities. And you are being you are being attacked from the air. You're, you have a cursor, a crosshair on the screen, a little plus, that you move around with a trackball. And as you move this thing around, you've got three different min- uh, missile bases. I think it's Alpha, Delta, and Omega base. Uh, and these bases have limited uh, limited amount of missiles, and you can shoot to uh, intercept the incoming missiles and destroy them uh, and protect your cities. The game features a button for each uh, missile uh, area. So you had three buttons, and you had the trackball. P- track I can tell you, this is the first game I ever played in the arcade that had a trackball. <clears throat> and this thing was a uh, foreign concept. Uh, I remember walking up to it and just uh, taking it and moving it around and then, you know, giving it the old uh, heave-ho and really spinning it. And, uh, and Missile Command, when, he, when you really hit that trackball, it would squeak. And also, it had, a, it had a habit of catching the skin on your fingers. So you could easily get in there and get yourself hurt. Uh, it, would, it would pinch you. Uh, this was something that I think every trackball game did that was released in the arcade but this one was one i I remember it being notorious and it did hurt because i've had this happen but now this isn't a game you were really wanting to go crazy with the track pad on but usually it happened when you were screwing around normally this isn't the kind of game where you're going to whip that thing as hard as you can but if you're in the heat of gameplay and you're trying to move that cursor to intercept the missile you occasionally will really have to work into it to get it over there so as the game progresses uh down the pike here uh, the the missiles become more and more frequent. Plus, you have added enemies. Uh, you will uh, eventually these things called smart bombs will come on the screen. Smart bombs just are just little dots that head directly to your cities or your missile silos to try to blow them up. You've got to intercept them. They don't streak like missiles. You've also got bombers that will come across the screen. They're like planes, and the, they will come at a lower altitude, and they will drop missiles down. Uh, that that make it more difficult to intercept because they're coming from closer to your cities. There are also these little satellites that come by. They are also a major nuisance. They can give you all kinds of trouble, too, with their fire. So you've got lots of enemies in this. Uh, The way it works is it's it's the game plays in stages, and as you go through it, uh, once you clear a stage by killing killing all the incoming missiles or uh, enemies, that stage will end. It will will tally up the amount of... uh, of missiles you didn't use to protect yourself, and then it will tally up how many cities you've got left, and it'll base your score on that, and then you'll move on to the next round. Uh, You could eventually uh, earn uh, more cities, and so there was always the possibility that in a round you would lose your last city, and this happened a lot. You would lose that last city, but then you would have earned just enough points to build a new city, and so you got to keep going. It was always glorious when that happened. It was a glorious noise that the game made. Uh, whenever this happened. Um, to get into the backstory of this a little bit, in terms of the game itself, uh, it was designed by Dave Thur. Uh, he also did Tempest the same year. So this guy had one heck of a year, uh, Brent, uh, between this and Tempest. Uh, this was a very popular home port, as I mentioned. Uh, the cartridge for the 2600 alone sold 2.5 million copies. Ooh. Which is that's huge, that's huge. Uh, 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 seller when this game was in development, it, the game per se doesn't the cities don't have names, but when the game was in development, this actually the cities were were named 
uh, and the cities were in California. There were Eureka, San Francisco, uh, St. Louis, Abismo, uh, Santa Barbara, L.A., and San Diego. Uh, and and the, if, when this was released, some places still had names on the cities, uh, and they were localized, which I never, I don't think I ever saw that. But eventually, nah, I didn't either. They got rid of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I don't think people like that. According to the wiki, Dave Thur, the guy that made this game, he suffered from nightmares of cities being destroyed by a nuclear blast when he was working on this game. Hmm. So this was no, this wasn't like Smurf Adventure. This was serious business uh, when you when you did this game. One of the features I really liked about this game, Brent, and it's funny, one of our buddies locally owned this game in his, in his personal arcade, so I really got to get down in there and, and kind of re-familiarize myself with it. It's got unusual buttons. It doesn't have like your normal buttons you'd see in an arcade machine. They're sort of like almost, uh, uh, what would you call them, silo-shaped or pyramid-shaped. They come to a point, and they're raised off the control panel, and they and they have lights in them. So all yeah. the buttons, including the start player buttons, have have little LEDs. Actually, they're not LEDs; they're lights. Uh, and these look awesome. It gives the machine a real. Uh, uh, the control panel looks like the control panel of like a missile launching center. You know, it's really slick looking. And the and the uh, yeah, thank you, Buck. Volcano buttons. That's a perfect example. It's a perfect way to describe them. They were really cool buttons, and the fact that they lit up was super neat. Um, when you lose at this game, you don't get a game over. This might be one of the only games I've ever seen that just says the end. With yeah, this huge explosion. That was not uh that was not an accident. Uh, the 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 uh, purpose of that was to pretty much tell you there is no winner in a in a global thermonuclear war uh, of this uh, uh, of this type. Uh, this game was also uh, it, and still is heavily. Uh, heavily uh, used for points for high score challenges. Uh, it's considered an endurance game, and one of the reasons it's considered that is because the game has the old patented bug in it. Brent, uh, if you get to a certain score, I think it's a, I want to say it's uh, every one point eight million or something like that. Anyway, you could end up earning like uh, over a hundred bonus cities if you get if you get to do it the right way. And so this is a game that you could actually. Uh, play in marathon sessions and then you could just walk away for a while a good while get you a coke get you some cold ones uh go to the can and come back and keep playing uh i saw a documentary on this actually uh way back in the day i'm trying to think of the name of this sucker uh and it was it was actually quite good uh and it, but it talked about guys going for the high score on this game uh, it was real neat now if you if you are uh, an old school fan there was an old documentary i'm trying to get uh, it was one of the early video game documentaries it, it actually talked about a guy named roy uh schlild schlitt i think his name you remember this guy i think his name was mm-hmm. mr awesome and he was this absolutely insane person who was the master of uh, missile command he played in tournament he played he would play in like a tournament mode he was out of his mind uh and i always enjoyed his antics because he was clearly a sick man but he was He's my kind of sick. He was out to lunch, but there have been a lot. There's been a lot of uh, 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 high score action on this game. As you go forward in this game, you can actually get to the point where everything slows back down. So yeah, it lends it loops itself around. To, yeah, it lends itself to an endurance test, and that's what makes it interesting. Now, with all that said, uh, I've never been a great hand at this game. It just gets frantic to the point where you're just basically launching missiles like a madman. Something a lot of people don't know is you can only have eight launched missiles on the screen at once. So you can't you can you can have eight missile launches going on, but no more. And you'd think to yourself, eight? Holy smokes! Who would you? How often would you have that going on? Well, you would. You'd be surprised. And the fact that your bases do run out of missiles after a spell uh, makes it even more insane. Uh, Brent, I'm sure you gave this game a play back in the day. What you you have any thoughts? Oh, yeah. First of all, this is a game that doesn't emulate well. No. Uh, I mean, if you have an actual arcade trackball, maybe you can get away with it. But the buttons and the, the trackball and the control panel, it all is a package. And it is a very uh, uh, overwhelming package on how much more fun the game is 
when you have all those components. Um, playing it at home, playing it with a stick uh, or a touchpad or a touchscreen, stuff like no, it's not the same. Uh, that said, I never liked this game. Uh, it's not because it's not a good game. It's a it's an incredibly awesome game. Yeah, the the theming they played it up so well. Uh, it's just I'm so bad at it. Uh, I would always either be too conservative with my missiles and not do those like long super streams of explosions to catch the rockets as they're coming down, or I would just go ham and just run out of ammo halfway through a wave. I plus, especially as a kid, but I've played this in my adult years too on an actual cabinet. As a kid, I could not control a trackball. I did not have the dexterity in my hands uh, to to do anything that I wanted to do. It was just it was just too too much for little me. Uh, in my older days, I was better, but it takes a lot of mental. There, there's a lot more going on than just shooting rockets at other rockets. It's you have to be aware, especially in the later levels at what base you're shooting your missile from because that makes a different on how difference on how fast the explosion happens and you have to lead the rockets that are coming down it's not about just pointing on them and clicking them you can kind of get away with that for the smart bombs but some of the missiles especially in the later levels when they're coming from the planes if you don't get a plane destroyed in time you have to kind of lead them into your explosion and that means depending on what base one of the three bases you shoot from it's going to get there and explode faster so uh, there's a lot of mental gymnastics going on with this game that i i would say a lot of players didn't really think about at the time yeah but it is in part is part of the gameplay it's really nice uh but like i said i was so bad at it um that i never liked it and i and it, this is one of those games i should have liked it and i should like it now but I have so many bad memories of it. Well, uh, I could see I could see how this one would get in your on your bad side because not because of the game, but you the part of it is that it's the play elements of this are completely unique yeah. uh, to the series. Plus, the control is unique, and 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 the elements of play. And you're right, you've got those three missile bases and they're uh, Alpha, uh, Delta, and Omega, and they're on different. They're on you know the three sections of the board, and you really it takes on the uh, spot thinking to line up your shots with the nearest incoming missile while gauging how many uh, anti-missile missiles you've got left. Uh, and uh, that's, it's, it's, it's a lot of mental gymnastics. This is a difficult game. Uh, it, it doesn't seem that hard at first, but it really becomes a challenge to become excellent at it. Uh, and there's nothing worse. There's no more empty feeling the Brent then no, looking down and hearing that plunk noise that you're out of missiles and you look up and there are missiles streaking towards your cities and all you can do is sit there and you know you're going to lose at least one or all of your cities and there's not a darn thing you can do about it but sit and watch. Yes. It's a it's an empty feeling. And this game has a uh, uh, um, an atmosphere that, it, and, and this is I'm sure this was intentional, but it's a hopeless game. I mean, yes. ultimately, you're going to lose every city and everyone will be killed, and you're going to run out of missiles. You know, uh, do you remember when the Patriot missile gained a lot of attention uh, over in Iraq uh, back in the day? I had not, I'd heard about these missile defense systems, but that's the first time I'd actually seen one employed, and and that were, and I was instantly taken back to this game where here you are launching these basically anti-missile missiles, these street missiles up. It was kind of creepy. That's not the kind of creepy I want to be involved in. I don't want anything to remind me of Missile Command. No good. Uh, now, Aaron, would you agree that uh, this is not a game you can emulate well? I, I do. I mean, can you use a mouse? Yes. Uh, but it's not. You don't get you the same. You have so much more control over a mouse. Listen, I would buy one of these. And and in real quick, and why would I do it? It's it's one of those games that you have to play because the 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 arcade machine is a total package. The control yeah. panel looks awesome. The layout, those buttons, I don't know about it. There aren't very many games that use those type of buttons, and none of them use them as well as a, as missile command. Just there's a feeling when you hit them. You don't need a big arcade button, but you want those little volcano buttons. Those work perfectly for this, uh, and the trackball is perfect. 
you don't have I don't know how very few arcade games that give you the precise control over what you're doing as missile command and that goes a, a long way uh Brent uh, I should mention just a little cleanup uh missile command of course held in high regard I have here in front of me an Atari XEGS it was there uh basically it was a game system that you could turn into a computer missile command's built into it if you don't put a cartridge in it how important this thing was uh it also the home version of this had the second acknowledged easter egg in it you could get uh, you could get the programmer's initials to come up if you did the right thing uh this game's held in pretty high regard in terms of uh uh uh, scores uh it would get it got a five out of five on all games the arcade version we're talking about uh eurogamer.net gives the arcade version a nine out of ten so you can't it's pretty much almost as good as you can get I would say that's about fair. I don't really think this game has any flaws. It's funny that we picked games involving the pokey chip. I don't really think about this game in terms of its sound, but the sound is adequate. for You're not going to get a jaunty tune in here. The sound is pretty basic, uh, but it's sort of iconic. The sound of the missiles getting restocked, the sound of cities uh, winning free cities. It's just sort of random. Uh, so I wouldn't say this was like a, an excellent example of what the pokey chip can do. But, I mean, I think the sound effects uh, are uh, in line with the game, uh, Brent, on that one. So, yeah, that right there, there you go. That's your Missile Command. A great game. I did look this up on eBay, uh, Brent. Uh, And believe it or not, this thing's actually uh, uh, getting a decent – it's not horribly overpriced. You can pick one of these things up in in, uh, in, uh, an as-is offering for about 800 bucks. And I looked, and I saw these going for uh, just under, uh, right around $500 if you shopped around. <clears throat> I'd say that's a pretty decent price. The cabinet on this is sort of not quite a full-height cabinet. It's 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 shaped oddly, isn't it, Brent? The, the, it the is, cabinet yeah. for this. Uh, but again, it, it works. So I would say, yes, this is one that you definitely uh, should give a shot. Missile Command. Now, see, I don't think you should give it a shot if you don't. If you can't play this live, it's just not the same. No, I'm talking about live. Absolutely. Oh yeah, live. live. Absolutely. If you're going to play this at home, uh, get like the 5200 trackball or uh, a 8-bit computer trackball, or have a. If some people have the main catch with the trackballs in them, you're okay. You're good to go there. Uh, but playing this with a mouse, I mean, again, it's you can play it. It plays fine, but it is not. It doesn't give you the same uh, feeling. Because the mouse is a little bit too precise. Absolutely. The trackball, you have to practice at the precision, and that makes it more fun for me. All right, so there you go, uh, Brentsters. Now, with all that said, what did you pick this week as your pokey chip game, Brent? Well, you went for one of the earlier pokey chips games, and I went the total opposite direction and took Atari Tetris in the arcade. Now, <clears throat> I'm sure, I mean... Tetris, one of the most ported games of all times. <laughs> one of the most profitable games of all times. Uh, I, I, you don't need to know how to play it. Uh, you know, you've got dropping blocks, make the lines, everything's good. So, what does this have to do with pokey chips? Uh, well, of course, this had a dual pokey chip system on it, which means you had two channels of sound. And uh, I don't know if you mentioned this, Aaron, or I'm sure you're aware. When things had more than one pokey chip in it, if one pokey chip went bad, the other one would function. No, oh, I didn't in know that. Most no. So you would just get one channel of the sound. You might just get the music, or you might just get the sound effects, depending on how, to, how it was. Uh, so Tetris was a dual pokey chip game. Another thing about Tetris, Aaron, was it did not have its own cabinet. This was a conversion-only kit, if you can believe it. Really? Yes. Uh, they had, stunning to me. Yeah. They actually had three different kits. You could have the upright cabinet, which was, you know, the one you stand at and, and play at. You could have a cocktail cabinet, and this is one that is, you're actually on one side and your opponent's on the other. Yeah, I've seen that And then one. they had a cabaret mini, and Aaron, I believe you have a picture of that for us there. This, it originally was a clax machine, uh, and they actually retooled these at the factory and turned them into Tetrises. But they weren't... They None of these started out as Tetris cabinets. They actually were all factory modified. Can you explain that for the people listening at home? Absolutely. This is like a cocktail tap cabinet, but both of you are sitting on one side. 
So the controls are split left and right, and you're both kind of angled in looking at the screen. Yeah, we've, a, we've, we've had some two-player cocktail ta before where you could put two people on one side, but never like this because yeah. these are both picture in your, um, in your mind's eye. Uh, a cocktail table with two control panels on the on one side, but they are they are slanted, angled, and between them is the coin area in its own little part. It's the what a bizarre why why would you make it like that? No, this is perfect because you can't do a, a normal cocktail table doesn't make sense for a game like this because this is a two player simultaneous game, so you can't have the the screen flip but you could have one all the objects are falling down sure but you could have one long control panel why why angle it like that's just bizarre to me that More seems space. like a lot of work no i've i've never seen a cocktail like this ever these, these have yeah. got to be incredibly rare uh they're fairly rare uh, like i said they they started out as clocks machines uh and that's i've never seen know, a clocks like that either bizarre very yeah, bizarre so uh being a kit computer or a kit computer. <laughs> you know, the NASCOM. Being, being a kit game, this would fit into a JAMA cabinet. So, no problem there. Really? Yeah. This was a JAMA game. No kidding. Uh, I know that. This is also a very rare game where, while it has a four-player or a four-way joystick in it, one of the ways, one of the directions is not programmed in this only has left right and down because in gameplay you never use up yeah. so they actually did not program up as a function everything is left right and down and button of course so uh very interesting little tidbits from the arcade when this came out aaron of course uh i i don't know if you are aware of the licensing debacle that happened with this yes uh, i am aware of that yeah tetris of course, uh, developed in Russia, and it was developed in a way that the creator didn't actually have the rights to the game. It, it was in a uh, uh, conglomerate, we'll say. And that conglomerate started licensing it out because people were going to him and said, hey, I want to license this game. You know, uh, what do I need to do? How much do I need to pay? And two different companies were claiming ownership of this and or are able to release the licensing of it. So some people bought the license and it meant nothing because they didn't actually have uh, the rights to sell it. So those people got screwed. Uh, and then when people did get the licensing, they would go in and say, you know, I want to I want to license Tetris. I want to make it for uh, like Nintendo. So I want to make it for uh, the consoles and handhelds and arcades and do all that stuff. And they were like, well, listen, we'll give you the rights for the handhelds, right? And we'll give you the rights for the consoles. But let's let's hold off on the arcade rights. You know, we're going to give them to you. Don't worry about that. But let's, let's work on this, working out a deal for this contract first. And what happened was Atari came in the back door and said, well, we want this stuff too. You know, we're going to give you X amount of dollars, and they sold the arcade rights to them. And another group got the rights to release it on computer. So this license was split all over the map, and it proved to be a very lucrative license uh, because, of course, the game no sold. No kidding. Uh, you know, <laughs> billion, millions of copies. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and all of them did very well. Well, Atari said, you know, nuts to that. We're just going to release it we're going to release uh, Tetris on the consoles as well. We've got the rights to it. Of course, they didn't. And uh, they released it under their Tension brand. And that got pulled. There was a huge lawsuit with them and Nintendo. And uh, most people believe that the Tension version of Tetris for the Nintendo was the superior version. It was. Myself no included. that. Yeah, there's no doubt. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, but Nintendo won the lawsuit and they had to... Uh, recall the unsold cartridges and destroy them. So this has a, a interesting history on the console side and the arcade side. But here's what brings it all full circle with the pokey chip. In when all this was going on, this was the last game to have a pokey chip in it. 
the last arcade game. And there's a couple reasons for that. Of course, this was released in 1988, so the chip's getting on in years, to say the least. Uh, still a very capable chip for what they were doing. But uh, Tremel wouldn't sell Atari Pokey chips anymore. Now, is it because he wouldn't do it? Is it because he couldn't do it? I don't know. But he's he were like, nah, that's it. We're done with these. So much so that they were still selling Tetris kits and didn't have Pokey chips to fill the orders. So they had to res resort to putting a bounties out there. Every Pokey chip that was in a Tetris past the very initial release, they were paying a $50 bounty to get Pokey chips per chip. Now think about that, Aaron. These One of the great things about the Pokey chip is it was a cheap little thing that did an awesome job. And now they're paying you know, up to 100 bucks to get these things into the boards to get them to market. Crazy times. Crazy yeah. times. Now, of course, uh, Tetris in the arcade, lucrative deal. It was a smash hit, just like Tetris on everything else. Uh, so I, I think Atari did fine financially with it. But I think it was it's very unique being the last one. They couldn't get the chips for it, and they you know had to pay all this extra money just to find people that would sell them the chips. Yeah, no kidding. Today, you can get Pokey Chip replacements, right? Yeah. But you can even buy old stock in Pokey Chips. And I was pricing them out. You can get them for about 15 bucks. And that is, you know, in 2021. So they were paying 50 bucks for them back in 1988 to fill these Tetris orders. Crazy times. I just yeah. thought that was a really interesting story. That is crazy. Now, Aaron, I know you've played Tetris before. Do you have a particular favorite Tetris? <clears throat> well, uh, yeah, this one, uh, by far. The arcade, this game uh, appeared in the student center uh, when I was at Marshall. Which Now, this game came out in 88. I went to, I started Marshall in 89, okay, Marshall University. And they had, they had two video games in their student center basement. They had uh, Bad Dudes, which I loved, as you know. And they had this. And I was like a puzzle game. You know, what the heck? I, I, but then I started watching the game be played. I'm like, well, this doesn't look that tough. And then, bam, it got me. The Tetris machine. I, I played the crap out of this machine. And one of the things that made this game great, well, there were a couple. You've got, you've got the multiplayer aspect, but also the music in this I would never have guessed this was a poke chip. I'm not saying the poke chip's not uh, capable, but it was because the music in this is awesome. This is yeah. far and away the best music in any Tetris game ever. It gets you fired up to play you some Tetris. And I can't tell you how many times I, I would hear the songs and this echoing through the student center uh, over the years. It's just an awesome tune. And they did, I, what I liked about it is that they kept the whole the Russian theming. The, you know they 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 embraced that ass because Absolutely. this could have came from anywhere you know what I'm saying yeah. and they could have just been like I mean look where do you, what what country do you associate with clacks you know you don't really think about it but when it comes to this uh you know you know okay this this comes from mother Russia this is the big export from Russia and it adds to the flavor of the game it gives it an exotic feel <clears throat> when this game came out, uh, you. This was another one of those games, probably one of the last games of that era where you would wait to play, uh, yeah. at, at least like the places I went. Almost every arcade had this. Uh, this had to have been a big seller uh, in arcades because I, I did see this one quite a bit. And it also is a game that had longevity. I would see it out there for years. Uh, yeah. You would catch these things occasionally. This is another game I would buy instantly to put in an arcade. You're probably thinking to yourself, well, you can play Tetris. This isn't like Missile Command where you can't play it at home. You can play better versions at home. Sega released some really good versions uh, of this arcade version you can emulate. There's tons of great versions. Uh, it's been released a million different ways with challenge levels and everything else. But there is some appeal, some lasting appeal to this version. This version has those songs. This version has that look that I really enjoy. 
And I, I, I the little dancing guy that comes out, the, which yeah, a lot of other versions ended up as that. Yeah, the dancing guy. Also, I like when he the little door opens when you're taking too long. And he's there tapping his foot. You're yeah. making the dancing guy wait. He didn't like it. He's, <laughs> you know, he wants to start. You know, I Aaron, thought, I thought you, it was awesome. If you hit the button. Uh, when the door's opening for the victory dance guy, yeah, a, a hook will come and actually hook him and pull him out and start the, <laughs> the next no level kidding. faster. I, I gotta try if that. You, if you tap it when he's doing the flip, he'll actually dodge the hook pull, but then the hook comes back and gets him and pulls him out. Yeah. The, it's funny that we both picked games that have a, a, a sort of a Russian or Soviet slant to them. Uh, again, uh, completely unintentionally, uh, but this this game, of course, this was 88. Uh, boy, it's funny what a difference eight years make in, on the world stage. Yeah. And, th- and things, uh, you know, you had uh, you had eight years of Ronald Reagan in there and Gorbachev, and you had a different, there was a definitely a different vibe going. Uh, we'd all, we weren't, at that point, we didn't think we were all going to be killed from nuclear annihilation. They actually, Russia conquered us in another way. They conquered our pocketbooks and our and our uh, attention spans with this classic <laughs> game, the game that launched the Game Boy uh, in, into the stratosphere, Absolutely. and the game that has been uh, sold and duplicated and copied. I'd say t- the games we played today are two of the most cloned games of all time. Uh, you just saw it over and over. Tetris has got to be the most illegally released game ever made. You, there's, <laughs> it's on everything calculators and and forward but again it this doom, this man it and doom this version of tetris uh is is my personal favorite and a big chunk of that is because of the music so it's an excellent one the spotlight uh because of the pokey chip so i i, I gotta give you this one and i'm glad i'm glad this came up because i did i had no idea that this had a pokey in it so it, it makes it kind of fun Ooh, and i also had pokies. no idea it was jam i found that interesting too yeah, th- this is obviously if you've never played Tetris. First of all, I don't believe you. Yeah, but no Second kidding, of all, hey. <laughs> uh, uh, if you haven't played the Atari Tetris, the arcade Atari Tetris, that I can at least fathom. Uh, yeah. You owe it to yourself to go and take a peek. It, it really is a a great take on the uh, original concept of it all, uh, and it's tremendously fun to play. It's fun to play two player. Uh, but it has a really nice single player, the way it does its levels. Um, it's not just endless. It, it's more mission-based, I guess you can say, with a lot of different strategies and level design. I, I mean, for Tetris, as much as Tetris can have, uh, that makes it pretty challenging. So absolutely give this a look. If you can find it to, to play on location somewhere, for goodness sakes, Put your quarters in. You'll have a great time. Did you look? Did you? I was just looking on eBay to see what this is going for. Did you have a look? I did not. No, I, I would imagine I, these I, are I'm up there. I'm here right now. It's funny. I'm looking through here at the completed auctions, and I can't find anyone selling an actual full size machine, which is interesting. But there are plenty of motherboards, and actually, as a jam a board, these things are going from any work in working order. They're going anywhere from a hundred to two hundred dollars. Very reasonable, uh, frankly. Uh, well, you, I'm if, sure there's a billion of these out there. Oh, that yeah, probably one, helps. One would guess, but it's still it's uh that's a, that's that's uh, we're out of the game, Brent. But if I was still in the game, that would be sorely tempting, I must say. But yeah, excellent choice. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, looking into the pokey chip. It's one of those crazy things that we come up with uh, that uh, we would never have thought of on our own. So, with all that in mind, you know what time it is, Brent? Let's More pokey chip sucker. time? Oh no, it's wheel, wheel time. time. Here we go. So, this week on the wheel, we've added... Uh, I hope Brent knows what this means. This uh, we this is a suggestion. Poly Game Master versus Neo Geo. And our retro piece is the Game Gear, Brent. The Game Gear. Here, are you ready, the Brent? I am. Here we go. Ah! Get it right up in there. And the winner is... Oh, God, no. Oh, good God, no. Well, it's first time on the board. This is two weeks in a row, by the way. Thank you, Andy Craig, whom I may have to consult for this suggestion. We will be playing Poly Game Master versus Neo Geo. Brent, well, I know all about the Neo Geo. What is the Poly Game Master? 
Well, Aaron, anything with master at the end obviously means it's superior in every way. I see. Now, if you put the master at the beginning, like master system, and eh, then you've got some wiggle room. So this is the polymaster whatever thingy is obviously the better system. So I will be defending it in glorious battle. So you're taking the mantle of the... Pol- of the- <laughs> As Frontier Gibberish just called it, the polygamy master, the polygame master. I guess I will take, I'll have the arduous task of defending the Neo Geo, the mighty Neo Geo. I feel a bloodbath coming on, Brent. That's for sure. Oh, I do too. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, thanks everybody for turning up. We had a good crowd in the old chat room. Uh, I want to uh, say that, of course, we film every Sunday morning. 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, live and in living color. And we appreciate you guys turning out. We will be back next week for a slaughter, no doubt, as I beat down the Poly Game Master with the Neo Geo. Until next time, Tospadanya. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Hello to our YouTube subscribers and our Twitch followers. A special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector graphics and Bartbit for an amazing closing theme. Want to help keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at our new Patreon at patreon.com slash ARG presents. Just like these fine folks. Ram, W. Vetke, Rolo, Olaf Hope, Anthony Jarvis, Terry Howard, Gary Heather, John Schaller, the Slow Morris, Frodo NL, Steve Rechmason, Bernhard Lucas, Chris Fold, Mitsuyama, Jason Warns, Rob Black O'Hara, Andy Craig, Dave Velociraptor, Retroalgy, Hermsky, John Dykeman, Jerry Dennington, Z9K9, and Mr. B. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay, too. You can help us out by leaving us a positive review on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Have an idea for a wheel piece? Email it to us at argpresents at mail.com. We film live every Sunday, 10 a.m. DDT on Twitch. Hope to see you there.